Ansel Adams said, you don't make a photograph just with a camera. You bring to the act of photography all the pictures you have seen, the books you have read, the music you have heard, and the people you have loved. Don McCullen said, photography for me is not looking, it's feeling. If you can't feel what you're looking at, then you're never going to get others to feel anything when they look at your pictures. Welcome to Escaping the Ordinary Podcast. If you are ready to be the best version of yourself and level up your life, stay tuned as we interview special guests who will bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you and we are going to show you how with your host, Ryan T. So I want to welcome Gabe McClintock. Gabe was one of the first photographers I remember seeing. I was drawn to the connection that he gets out of his images, the use of light and everything I would see from Gabe. A quick Google search will come up with results such as connection photographer, moody weddings, top 10 photographers worldwide, just to name a few. For me, Gabe put destination weddings and particularly Iceland on the map as a favorite destination of mine. Gabe is not only an incredible photographer, but he's a father of two beautiful girls. Gabe has personally helped me in my business so much, and I'm wrapped to catch up with the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Gabe McClintock. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, well, I man. don't even know. I, I'm glad there's not video on here because I'm kind of blushing, so it's kind of like, <laughs> I'm glad this is just audio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, welcome. I'm stoked, stoked to have you on board, Gabe. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate um, it. This is, uh, yeah, of course, of course. I appreciate you, uh, yeah, doing this with you. So, so how? So you're you're in Calgary, hey, in Canada? Yeah, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And for uh, the people that don't know Calgary, where where's that between <laughs> Toronto and Vancouver? Where, where is that? Yeah, so it is about an hour flight from Vancouver. It's probably most people have heard of Banff. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So you fly in the Calgary to drive to Banff. So that's, that's, it's, we're right on the mountains. So we're, we border the mountains. We're about an hour from the mountains. Beautiful. So, so do you, I mean, I know your background and, and, and you do a lot of destination work, but do you photograph like locally, you know, seeing as though you got the mountains quite close? Yeah, you know, I think it's like anything. I think you kind of take it for granted, though. Like, I think the grass is always greener mentality and wedding photography is pretty strong. You know, it's, I do shoot locally. I've shot locally for years. I probably do, I would say, three to four local weddings a year. Going to try to, you know, this year I was on, on schedule to, <laughs> to shoot a few more local weddings this year. I think I had... Uh, six local weddings. Um, but yeah, you know what it is, it is beautiful out here, but I've shot a lot. So it's one of the reasons why I kind of started to move into destination work because I just needed to keep that, um, that inspiration, I guess that creative, the creative juices flowing, so to speak. So for sure. So, I mean, for the listeners, Gabe, can you give them a bit of a background, like how you've been, how long you've been in wedding photography, how you kind of from the outside in looking at it, you know, you've got this incredible portfolio even when i started my business i was just taken back by the work that you're producing but i mean i remember speaking to you a few months ago and you're like you know everyone starts somewhere so i'd love it for the listeners that see where you are now if you could just kind of rewind time 
<laughs> oh, get ready. It's a long time. <laughs> when you had uh, hair, right? When yeah, you had we got, this is like four hours, right? This, this is a four-hour podcast? <laughs> yeah, so I start, you know, every time I say it, I always feel so old. So I graduated photojournalism school in 1999. So that kind of gives you an idea of how long I've been shooting. From there, I shot my first wedding 17 years ago. And then went full-time wedding photography 13 years ago. And destination weddings probably six years ago. This will be my sixth year of primarily destination work. So that's kind of like a really Cole's Note snapshot version of kind of where, how long I've been doing it. Yeah. And kind of how I started. Beautiful. So, I mean, I know we see this, you know, these crazy destinations that you do. So can you tell us that transformation between probably working around the local area and now, you know, like you said, majority of your work is, is overseas. So can you tell us about how that kind of, you made that break? Yeah. So I think it was about four years ago or five years ago, I was kind of wanting to get more into destination work. I was shooting a lot of local weddings. I had been for 10 years I was you know it was fine it was great but what I found was I was shooting the same venues over and over again the same locations every Saturday my wedding season most most people's wedding season here in Calgary kind of runs from May till end of May till end of September so it's quite a short season here and which was great because I skied so I could take six months off a year and ski and then work six months but what I found was just that six month break was nice, but I was kind of missing it, missed shooting. And then I didn't really want to shoot winter stuff here because shooting winter weddings, if anyone's done it, it's not always that enjoyable. I think people have an idea of winter weddings that it's going to be big fluffy flakes and like New York central park in the winter and everything's really pretty. And it's usually you know, minus 35 and it's windy and slushy and gross. And it's never, <laughs> ever quite what I think people imagine. So for me, I was like, I don't want to shoot winter weddings. And then just the repetition of shooting the same venues. I was like, I need a change. I need a break from the repetition that I was finding myself in. So I was really, you know, any destination clients I had at the beginning were local clients getting married somewhere. And as I got a few of those, I really pushed those on my website, I was really focused on getting that workout more so than the local hotel or local venue. And then I had a couple, Sarah and Josh, uh, she was a photographer. She is a photographer out of Ohio at the time. And they were having this amazing, the wedding sounded amazing. There's going to be at their uh, uncle's ranch, I believe. And they were getting in the night, leaving on a hot air balloon. And it was like, yeah, this is incredible. And as a photographer, she got it. And then a few months before the wedding, she had sent me a message on Facebook saying that, hey, can we chat? Which is never usually a good thing to get from your bride a few months before a wedding. And she said that they just got tired of planning the wedding. It was becoming too much of a hassle. And they were going to elope to Iceland, which is where they were honeymooning and asked if I wanted to join them. I said, of course, and then just kind of fast forward through all of that. We shot it in Iceland. I got home, started sharing it on uh, my blog, and then it just got picked up by a few sites. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed into like this, you know, probably week of 
I would say chaos in terms of like how many people it reached. It ended up on yahoo.com.ca and .uk's front page. So it's kind of like, you know, the banner that was spinning on the front page was like Justin Bieber, Obama, and then Gabe McClintock. (laughs) I told you, you're the myth. You're the myth. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It was just this wild thing where it just... It just happened to get to the right person at the right time who saw it and shared it, and it just exploded. It was the Today Show in New York flew the whole reporting team to the couple to interview them. It was on Yahoo. It was on Cosmopolitan magazine. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the, the catalyst. The tipping point for me was once that happened, I kind of the following year made the transition into mostly destination work. It was It just opened up my work to more people than just the local, my local market. And then I really started to push that and try to capitalize on that by only sharing destination work, only sharing work that was outdoors, you know, in a mountain, nice forest on a cliff, on a beach, uh, just something that was not my local scene. And I just, that's all I focused on pretty much since then. Gotcha. That's uh, yeah. What an incredible story. So, how long ago were we talking this Iceland wedding? I believe it was 2014. No, 2015. So five years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and what I mean, you know, destination weddings are obviously a hot topic, Gabe. I'm sure you get a number (laughs) of DMs and stuff on your Insta and stuff like that. I mean, five years ago, obviously with the the surge at Instagram and obviously the industry photographers you know being a lot more creative these days as well and also having instagram as a platform to be able to share the images a lot more frequently yeah hearing that break it's it's amazing do do you think something like that is still up for grabs as such in this kind of market you know what i mean like yeah yeah i don't mean yeah i'm sure you've been asked many times you know like obviously your story is inspirational but as you mentioned a key word there you said it was like the right timing yeah, I don't, you know, I think it's the one thing I can say I've noticed over the years uh, doing this. I had a conversation with two days ago with Jonas Peterson. We mm-hmm. chatted for a while and it was, I feel fortunate that I started this when I started it, because when I started it, there wasn't all this social media, there wasn't all this outside influence, there wasn't this saturation of incredible images. Like the worst photographer, you know, I used, air quote, quote unquote, the worst photographer now would have been the best photographer in the world probably 12 years ago. Yeah, wow. Like it's, you know, it the level every year just increases exponentially. Like the work is so incredible. So do I think that someone could go viral now with wedding images? Yeah, but it's going to have to be like Charlton who took a bride and groom to uh, Everest. I think that's where the level is at now, where it's not as simple, well, these are really cool pictures in a really cool location. And now I feel has to be, these are unreal photos in a location that really 1% of the population of the world could be in. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know if the ability is there unless it's a celebrity or unless it's like Charlton Churchill who took a couple to Mount Everest base camp. Like... You know, because when you see Mount Everest Base Camp, you're like, holy shit, they got married at Mount Everest Base Camp. <laughs> you know, like that's not an everyday, wow, it's a really pretty resort in Bali. It's like, no, no, like that that took a lot of work. You know, so I think that's 
I think it's a little different now, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, right? Because I feel like it gives everyone a little thing, you know, something to strive to if that's what you're after. I don't think going viral is should be on anyone's, you know, business plan. Mm. But it's, I think it's a good push for people in the back of their mind to just constantly create. I think the the evolution of photography and what in weddings went from 10 years ago to be like, if someone asked me if I was a wedding photographer 10 years ago or asked me what I did, it was, I was a photographer. You know, it wasn't, I'm a wedding photographer. Now I think with the, the level of work out there and being created and obviously with Instagram and social media and that it's, it's cool. Like for lack of a better term, it's flashy you get a lot of people get to see the world that they might maybe not otherwise been able to all because of wedding photography. It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? I mean, the lifestyle that we can have from, yeah. you know, no degree. And, you know, Dude. a lot of us didn't go to university <laughs> and study. We just kind of grabbed yeah. the camera and seen yes. work like yours on Instagram and started <laughs> trying to like create. It was, exactly. It's- and it's, it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's super shitty because everyone, <laughs> the, the barrier entry is like non-existent. That's right. You know? But on the flip side, it's incredible. It's incredible that someone with some type of A, determination and drive, right? B, willingness to learn and put in time, but C, with any creative mind can create work that will let them see the world and make a living. Like that's, I don't know. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't know many other industries where you have that opportunity. No. And like, you know, like you said, the, I mean, the industries everywhere worldwide, it doesn't matter whether we're talking yeah. about our local area are, are busy, but there's still room yeah. to stand out. It's like, yes. I always say to people that I talk to, Gabe is, you know, you can grab a hammer. It doesn't mean you can build a house. You can grab a camera and jump on YouTube and learn to take a photo Yeah, and get paid for that. And you, like you said, you can create the work that you're proud of and, and the flexibility in your life. And obviously you've done that over, what was it? 37 years. <laughs> 17, Something like that. I think years. it was right around there. I think it was around 41 years, yeah. I think. 1941. <laughs> 1941, I started. That's right. <laughs> On a box brownie. And, yeah, and that's my first wedding. <laughs> I love it. So obviously COVID-19, I mean, you're obviously affected by it, Gabe. And, so how what do you? Been, well, I, don't you know, <laughs> I don't watch. I don't watch the news. I don't know what's going on. I just. I don't know. Everyone seems to be walking around with masks. I don't even know why. <laughs> I just realized my business has just flopped. Like no reason. I thought I was just getting old. I don't know. <laughs> They're saying you don't wash your hands, and <laughs> so so how is it on your end, mate? Like how? I mean, with the destinations, uh, are yeah. people like a yeah. little bit worried about you know obviously opening up the borders and how yeah. are you managing all that? Oh, you know, lots of drinking. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be the doom and gloom and, you know, all that stuff. I feel like the destination market in weddings is definitely taking a hit mm. and will take a longer hit than the local market, right? Like local photographers will probably be able to travel locally when stuff kind of starts to relax and that. But I feel like the destination market's going to be a little longer. I don't know. It's hard to predict, I think, which is why everything is so up in the air because it's so unpredictable. Everything changes like daily. I have, for me, I think most of my clients that I have so far in the next two, three months are kind of looking that it's either going to be pushed till later this year 
or they're pushing it into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been okay for me. I don't shoot a lot of weddings. I have never been a high volume photographer, which I think in this world that we're living in right now has definitely benefited me in terms of my sanity because I'm not dealing with 50, 60, 70, 80 different weddings that I have to figure out. I'm usually, you know, I'm shooting 20 weddings this year. So to me, it's manageable. But I think for me, I've just been working with everyone. Obviously, I've got to ask a lot of questions. What do I think about this? Should we just postpone it a couple of weeks or a couple of months? And, you know, I'm just being honest, but not an alarmist. Yeah, I mean, unknown, isn't it? We're all in the same position and it's, yeah, no one knows what's around the corner. Yeah, I think that's probably why it's so difficult for so many people, myself included, because there's no, there's no end. Like there's no like, this is going to be gone on May 15th. Or Mm. we have a vaccine being released, you know, June 30th. Like there's just, you know, and then you hear, again, we can go down the rabbit hole of COVID-19, but it's like you hear one report and then you hear another report and then you hear another report that says this and then another, you know, there's all this weird information, be it real or misinformation, but there's just so much information with no conclusive stats or conclusive end for sure yeah so i just kind of take it day by day work with my couples as best i can and yeah go from there so i mean for the photographer out there that's listening gabe obviously you know the industry is pretty much on a hold worldwide at the moment what do you think something they can do and they can implement in their kind of daily ritual or something to stay ahead of the game whether it is marketing or creating different type of imagery or upskilling do you you know, is there any implementable tasks that you think, say an amateur photographer, that's, I think, you know, a great time for an amateur photographer to start really pushing the boundaries because when the, the borders do open, there's going, I think there's going to be an influx of work. And if you have been putting in the effort during this downtime, also obviously spending time at home, but do you have any suggestions for anyone out there? Yeah. You know, okay. So I would say if you're brand new and you have no portfolio work or you're you know maybe have one wedding you know i would say just i know it sounds funny but just shooting stuff around your house maybe going for a walk i think the number one thing i've always told or taught or spoke to is to constantly be look at the way light affects things i think this is a perfect opportunity to become very aware of light without subjects because we obviously can't have any subjects really So I think just seeing the way if you have someone in your house, you know, your husband or your wife, or if you have kids or whatever that is, just maybe take half an hour, an hour every day. And they'll probably, if they, for how long that that subject lets you is another question, you know, another thing, but if they might get sick of it after two days, but again, just shooting things and experimenting in your home or out in a walk, if you're able to go outside and see things. I think that would be for a standpoint of someone who's just doesn't have a huge, uh, any collection of work. I think if you have a collection of work and you've been shooting for say five or six years or whatever that number is, I think now's the perfect opportunity to curate your work. I think, you know, I know you and I have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I talk about this at every workshop, every conference. I think curation is really key 
to attracting clients that you're going to want to work with when everything opens up, right? And the next, you know, whenever that is, I think, or at any time, it's, I think we have, we all have this collection of work that just kind of sits on hard drives and we don't touch it, right? We haven't, a lot of people don't haven't updated their website. So this could be a perfect opportunity to take an hour every day, go through your website and start curating it, taking out stuff, adding new images. Maybe you have a new preset that you bought from whomever, i.e. develop my own print. No. <laughs> Plug. Plug. <laughs> I was waiting for your clap. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Yeah. I'm joking. Anyway, any preset, but I feel like if you have a new editing style or whatever that is, I think now you're not adding a ton of work. So really you're not being bombarded with new work and you're not able to catch up on stuff. I would bet most of us are now caught up on everything that we had in the queue if not pretty close. So I think going through your website and curating your work, um, maybe blogging more, I think is probably key. I think a lot of people should look at doing that in this time that we have. So, I mean, can we dive deeper um, into curation? I mean, remember the first time we chatted, I kind of jumped off the call and I I said, he is the king of curation. And you kind of put it in a great analogy for me and simplified it. And, you know, I, I took so much away just from from curation. But for the people that don't understand, obviously, what curation is or what how to look at curation the way you do, could you explain that for them, Gabe? Yeah, of course. So for me, curating work is just curate, taking a body of work and taking out images that don't represent who you are as an artist or who you feel you are as an artist or who you'd like to be seen as an artist. I think so many of us put work out there that we feel the client wants to see, that the florist wants to see, that the wedding planner wants to see or the venue. And we kind of drift away from what it is that we want to see. And we're always seem to be, trying to please all these other vendors or our current couples while we've kind of lost sight that it's not our current couples that are booking us. It's new couples and those new couples, what are they looking for? What are you wanting to put out there that you want them to see and then resonate with that they end up booking you, right? If you're putting out work, I see it all the time when I do portfolio reviews at workshops is or online, like when you and I went through and I, you know, I, I see people are like, well, all I'm getting booked for is these ballroom weddings. And then we go to your website and all I'm seeing is ballroom weddings. And it's like, it's such a simple concept, but I feel it is something that's lost on so many of us that we just don't look at our work from an outsider or a bride or groom's perspective we look at our work as us like it's you know i shot this photo at the reception or i shot this couple walking with their wedding party and they're all laughing you know and i always ask it's like well do you like shooting indoor receptions and the photographer's like well no i'm like well what do you prefer well i like shooting outdoor receptions i'm like well then you have to show outdoor reception you know we have to look at our website and our instagram feed and our facebook feed and our blogs and all this stuff as can the couple that you want to book put themselves in your image if you're after ballroom bride 
you're after the big budget wedding at the Fairmont Palliser in the you know $30,000 dress, but all you're showing is elopements hiking through mountains, that bride can't put herself in your photo. And it's the vice versa. If you're all you're after is hiking elopements and you want to shoot outdoor weddings and on the beach or whatever, and all you're showing is that $30,000 wedding dress bride in a ballroom, they can't, they don't relate. They don't, they, the bride can't put herself in that work. So to me, that's where I've curated my work is what type of couple I'm looking for. But then I'm also, for me, it's what type of light am I looking for to shoot in? What type of environment am I looking to shoot in? And what type of conditions? So, you know, for me, I love wind. I love stormy weather. I tend to not cancel shoots if the weather's bad. I tend to really try to talk couples into it. But again, I just, for me, it's curating the work down to a specific look, couple, location that I want to be hired for. So for me, you'll never see on my website, you know, wedding party photos, family pictures, you know, the grandma photo, the fireplace mantle picture. Uh, you know, you'll never see that because I don't want to be hired for that stuff. I obviously, I can shoot it, but I don't want to be hired for it. Mm. And, and I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you know, curation gives consistency across the board when we go and obviously all the listeners, you need to head to Gabe's work, head to his website, check it out. But when you go through a portfolio of yours, Gabe, you see consistency across the board and, and you're saying that pretty much comes down to curation and what you're showing and is what you're booking really. But what, what do you say to someone that isn't in these kind of mountainous areas that are beautiful and picturesque, but they kind of want to get there. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Like if someone lives in a, a beachy town and, and a lot of their work is around there and they get this once-off kind of wedding that's overseas in, say, Iceland, and they put that up. Now, do you think promoting that might help them build that portfolio or should they really settle in in their home area and kind of hone into still curating work from there? Because I know when I started, I was influenced a lot by destination wedding photographers and I would do a couple and I'd throw them out there. And it's not that I would hear crickets, but it, it wasn't my target and it wasn't what I actually wanted to do, but I was getting inquiries for places and I realized, like you said, you know, it's what you're showing is what people are seeing. But if there isn't consistency across the board, like, for example, I have an Iceland wedding on my website and the, the rest, rest are, you know, local Australian weddings. Mm-hmm. Do you think sometimes pulling back and going, well, no, I'm not targeting Iceland. It's probably going to give brides the wrong, I guess, a bit of a misconception of who I am and what, what I am a leader in, whether that is in the local area. Yeah. You know, I, to me, like, I think when you start, if someone is focusing now on purely location, I feel like you've kind of then ticked all the other boxes that lead up to that. So for me, it's like when I first started, because yeah, the mountains are an hour, an hour and a half for me, but where Calgary is and where I was shooting for years was pretty much the prairies flat wheat farmland and then city. And that's kind of where I started. And I would shoot a few weddings out in the mountains. Yes. But, you know, I think regardless of where you start, I think if you can focus in on, all right, so you want to shoot connection, you want to shoot intimate portraits of couples, 
with showing a real honest representation of love and intimacy and feeling and mood or whatever that is, right? Whatever that idea is for you or whatever resonates with you. But I feel like once you kind of get that, then you can focus on, okay, I really like to utilize natural light. So now I'm going to, I really got the idea of down of how I get my couples to interact and connect with each other. I have different cues. I can say different things. I am aware of hand placement. Now I'm going to start to filter in really unique lighting. I'm going to start to play with light. I'm going to start to manipulate light in different ways. And then kind of once you get that, all the venue, all the location stuff is kind of secondary at this point. Cause now it's like, you're focusing on connection. You're focusing on good light. But then you can start to look at, well, now you have a few couples that are asked you to shoot in the mountains or maybe go hike or maybe they flew you to wherever, California or the beach or whatever it is. And now you can start to implement those connection skills that you've grown mixed with the good light that you've, you know, skill that you've kind of continued working. I'll never say mastered because I don't think anyone's going to master it, but that you've honed in on and now you can start to mix that in with incredible locations and i feel like all these steps kind of lead up to just growth to improving you know once you kind of get one thing all the other things are going to become better and better and better as you move forward but i don't know if it's wrong to focus you know i i don't think it's right sorry to get one say iceland wedding and then just shoot you know, like share the shit out of that and kind of forget everything else that led you up to that. If you really haven't kind of honed in on all those other skills where you can utilize connection skill and light skill and all this stuff in different environments. Does that make sense? hundred percent. So I know curation is such a hot topic and you speak about it a lot at your yeah. workshops. So what do you think is the biggest thing holding most photographers back? The ones that feel like they're in the herd that see work like yours, Gabe, Jonas, and just to name a few that, you know, it seems like at such a high level that it's kind of, you know, it is, it does see unachievable for a lot of people. So what do you reckon the biggest thing that holding people back is? Do you think it is curation, what they show? Yeah, I think that's a one thing for sure. I think that's a huge thing. I think people aren't curating their work to get what they think they want. Mm-hmm. And a lot, really, I think, I see it all the time. I even catch myself doing it sometimes when I post. I'm like, why am I posting? That? I don't want to, I don't want to shoot that again. Like that's not something I want to do again. So why am I sharing? But I feel like it's I think that's a huge thing. I think then I know you and I have talked about this. It's funny, I was watching a David Chappelle doc thing the other you know, probably about a month ago, and he said something, you know, I was actually just saying this to Jonas. It's this incredible quote he said by Miles Davis, and I said it took me years to learn how to play like myself. And I think it really struck a chord with me because it's one thing I would say I see a lot. And one of the questions is, how do I get to that? And I think time is one of the things that you can never buy a preset for. You can never take enough workshops to speed it up. You can do things to help along the process but i think just putting in some time now i'm not saying like i've been doing this for like 84 years (laughs) uh, so i'm not saying like put in that much time or you're gonna need to because everything seems to be hyper speed like if it took me 10 years it's probably gonna take someone two years now with the amount of stuff that's out there but i feel like anything 
if you put the work in, is it attainable? I think I've shown you some of my old work. I know I've shown a lot of old work at conferences and workshops. Like some of my old work is, if you haven't seen it and you saw it, you would be like, that is absolutely horrendous photos. And I think we've all been there. I don't think that we should get discouraged. There's so many different quotes. Like one of them is you can't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. And that's a lot of the times what we do with social media websites. You know, I, I shoot the same stuff that everyone shoots. You know, I shoot all the, the groomsmen trying to hump the groom's leg or, you know, the bride and girl, you know, the bride and bridesmaids holding their flowers around their faces or whatever this stuff is that we are all like, Oh my God, I guarantee you Jonas doesn't shoot this stuff or I guarantee you fair doesn't shoot this stuff or, you may think Gabe doesn't shoot this stuff, but we all shoot it. But again, it comes down to how we're curating our work and showing things that make it appear that we are all shooting these unbelievable destination weddings in this perfect light with perfect couples in perfect locations. When that's really, that's all comes back to how we're sharing, what we're sharing. I think it's uh it's definitely refreshing to hear that that you are human and it uh <laughs> you know when 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 I did start you know like I will never forget that you know I started when Instagram was was hot and everyone was on it and I was you know that was my place to be inspired and yeah. it, it got to a point where it kind of it didn't inspire me anymore it kind of depressed me as such because yep. you know I was looking at these you know. Yep. Insta famous photographers. And I'm just like, mate, like I don't have that. And then I'd turn yep. up to a wedding, not in a bad mood as such, but just, yep. you know, I knew I wasn't pushing where I wanted to go. And until like, I remember we speaking years ago and, yep. you know, you, you, you said like the foundations have to be there, but like you, you've got to look at your surroundings and, and not on Instagram because that, like you said, is, is curation. I did get a book, the, um, I think it's the Magnum contact sheets from magnum photographers and it and even back then you know like they're shooting on you know 35 mil and there's 36 frames and you see this one photo from like henry cardio brasson and it's just like how did he do that but then you you see the 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 strength and curation that we've seen all these mistakes and and blurriness and yes. wrong angles but there was just that one photo where Back in the film time, you you would have to go through the contact sheet, and you know you're not getting 36 scans on a computer where you can just kind of throw them all out there. And I remember when you went through my portfolio a long time ago, and you said, you know, does that image complement that? And yeah, why are you putting that photo up of the bride's dress? And if that's you know if that's what you love, great. I'm not trying to you know you weren't trying to make me be you, but does it complement where you want to go? with your yes. photography. And obviously I say Gabe's the king of connection for sure. I remember you saying, you know, you look for that when you're posting, does the image have the connection and the light as you can see on your Instagram, yeah. you know, like there's those images that are across the board. So when the bride goes to your website on, on her Instagram or whatever handle that it's like, yep. Okay. Gabe's the only question who's going to be my photographer. It's not like, well, why is there a dress hanging? Like we're not about yeah. that. And, and it's backlit or something, you know? Yeah, dude. It, yeah, it's 100%. It's like you said at the beginning of that, it, it, I think the comparison is, again, there's, you, could, you could Google all these comparison. Your comparison is a thief of joy. You know, all these different quotes, but it, it is killer to growth 
it can inspire you and push you, but it, it is a really slippery slope. If you really start looking at it to be inspired, what can happen is you start, you really will quickly turn into comparing yourself to stuff. You'll be constantly chasing the almighty like or comment. And it's, I think it's good to be inspired, but it can, like you said, it can depress you, right? Like it's, it is, there's, there's so many amazing, there's so much amazing work out there that if you're constantly looking at it, it, no matter who you are, you're going to get, you know, down on yourself because it's just, you're, if you're seeing all the good stuff and then you're looking at all your bad stuff, it's like, well, of course it's going to look bad. You know, mm. like you said, there's 36 frames and he showed one and that one was, you know, a famous image. That's well, right. Of course, there's 35 other ones that are shit. So it's, that's like everyone, you know, I'll show one photo from, you know, a bride and groom on top of a mountain. The wind's blowing. The light looks great. His hands perfectly placed, you know, the faces down, the eyes are nice. The lips are pursed, all this stuff. Well, there's probably like 70 photos before that where it's complete chaos. The hair is everywhere. The hand looks a little clenched and it just doesn't work, you know, but I'm like, you know, it's how we curate our work to get out what we want to get out. For sure. And so you're definitely looking for that connection based. Um, yeah. You know, it's, connection. it's you know, it, to me, it doesn't even have to be connection. I love capturing connection. That's no question. But, you know, I think like anything, like as you kind of go and you grow and you do things and you see new things to me, it's there's connection, but then there's like these beautiful moments of, for lack of a better term, disconnection where the bride and groom separate from a pose and he holds her hand and they walk away. You know, one of my favorite photos was taken a few years ago and uh, Magenta and Alex, and they were in Iceland, were under Skogafoss and the waterfalls and they were posed and then they stopped and he walked away and he's holding her hand and her, her hair is like blowing across her face. You can't even see her face. And he's looking off to the left like he's going into war because it's like, crazy windy and wet and cold and there's no connection there but to me the photo has so much feeling for me personally that i've really connection is one thing but i think real feeling can sometimes trump that and regardless if that's a couple holding each other or a couple walking away from each other to me they both make me feel something and that's what i'm after for me personally now is does an image make me feel something and if it makes me feel something, it will make the bride and groom that I'm after feel something. And then we'll both feel something, the same thing about an image we both enjoy. And then that's where we, you know, come together on the same playing field when we work together. Yeah, I love it. I remember uh, talking about, I know the image you're talking about. And I remember um, when I started in photography, I would, you know, I would get to the scene kind of direct and help and get this kind of like nice atmosphere and photograph and then i'd put the camera down i'd walk off and i'd look behind me and i'm thinking shit like yeah. <laughs> look at that like yeah yep. and, and you know it took a few weddings to really just think no like my job's to keep the camera on my eye and i i would make it my mission pretty much for a 10 hour day to not put the camera down unless i was having my vendor meal yeah at all <laughs> and um and yeah. it's amazing, like, you you know, you wouldn't have got that image that you're saying is one of your favorite images if you weren't still kind of photographing and, and being in that moment and the zone and aware, like, aware of your surroundings is such yes. a thing, hey, guys. That's, you know, I think with live view too now on cameras, like, just the technology side of it, 
you know, we can keep it down. We can shoot, you know, I lose, I use live view primarily now, but we can shoot and then still talk to them. So they're not listening to this big box mm. with this lens, you know, with this voice coming from behind it. You can now, for me, I can communicate with them as a person while shooting with a camera, just kind of at my neck level. And it allows me to like shoot, 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 direct, and then say, okay, we're good. And just keep shooting without it being up by my face. Because I feel like a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people, if they notice the camera is in that position of what they consider getting their picture taken, which is usually cameras up in front of the photographer's face, then they have this, this weird feeling that they're getting their picture taken. Whereas if you drop for me personally, if I drop it down where they can see my face, they may know the picture's being taken, but now they're connecting with me personally, as opposed to, or they're feeling less intimidated by this camera where I'm taking it. Whereas now it's down and they can just act natural when they depart from the pose and walk. That's huge. I mean, you can see it. In, in you know through your eyes and when people just relax as soon as their camera is down like i said when i walked away yeah it was kind of like a big breath out and yes yeah. and then yes. you know i turn it around and i'm seeing this yeah. amazing hug yeah. and yeah and you can't it. recreate it you can't yeah. tell them whoa, 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 hold that because they never <laughs> hold it the way you saw it <laughs> exactly right so you're shooting live view a lot can you yeah. explain to the listeners i mean camera equipment quickly yeah. what you're using yeah. yeah so i'm using two kodak brownies and <laughs> and one roll of film. Yeah, and one roll of film. That's that's how good I am. Uh, <laughs> so I use two Canon 5D Mark IVs, and then I shoot 95% of my day, if not more, on a 35L uh, and a 50L. That's kind of like my ones on one camera, ones on the other, and I just have them hanging off my shoulder that's it i don't really use flash unless it's really obvious flash like party pics you know the paparazzi dance photo mm-hmm. but that's it everything's natural light and with two fixed lenses 35 and 50 that's kind of my entire setup beautiful love it and um can i would love to jump in and ask you gabe i know you've opened a patreon page I'd yep. love to jump in and talk to you about, I mean, I've had you help me in my business and you you speak internationally, but could you explain what this is? You've got membership levels for people yep. that want to learn in regards to everything that you do. Could you, yeah, could you give us an yeah. insight into it? So for me, the Patreon was this idea that I do conferences or I've done quite a few conferences around the world. I've done workshops around the world. One of the common things that I get from people when I launch workshops or, you know, is, are you going to offer one in city, whatever city they live in? Right. And it's hard for me, obviously, to just do a workshop in all these different cities where, you know, a photographer is asking me to, because I need groups of people to come to these things. So it's always been something in the back of my mind. It's always been something I have talked about, but never really done, but it was, I think, a age, you know, I'm going on like 74. So <laughs> it's, I was like, I, you know, to me, I was like, I don't want to, I travel enough for work shooting. I was like, how can I limit the amount of travel for workshops? But it was, uh, yeah, this idea of just bringing my workshop or anything that I can share online to people around the world. So they didn't have to fly anywhere. They could 
re-listen to it over and over again if they wanted to. You know, the first video I put up there was an editing video with some behind the scenes stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, that's really the idea behind it is just to get really anything or the, the, the common things that I get asked about at workshops or mentor sessions or conferences after I speak, you know, it's just to get everything out there. I have always been a big advocate of hiding nothing. You know, to me, I am, if anyone's been to a workshop or a conference or spoke to me afterwards, or I'm sure you can attest to is, you know, I have nothing to hide and that's kind of where I wanted the Patreon page to go is just have people have pretty much open access to ask me anything they want at any time about anything so I can help them grow, get better, get better business or curating tips or website tips or editing tips or shooting tips or connection and posing tips. So kind of just whatever people want to know, they can ask me at any time. So Beautiful. I know there'll be so much value, obviously firsthand experience from me using your services. Obviously I'll link to this as well, but no. no. <laughs> hey, I know there's so much value on that though. I mean, the, the, the key tip of curation, like even just that simple yeah. thing, it, guys, yeah. if you are listening and you literally take one thing away, not that Gabe's 74 because he was totally joking, but duration like yeah he taught me about it and it's constantly in the back of my mind at all times and um yeah it's so refreshing to hear that you know photographers all started out the same pretty much unless you're a freak but 99 percent obviously all started the same and hearing that you know it's time as well like you just can't fast forward time you know i think you know Honestly, Ryan, I think that was one of the things I remember. It was one of our first, your and I first sessions. I remember you saying, you understand that it takes time and this isn't sure. wanted to rush. And I remember getting off that first meeting with you and talking to Jenna about it. And it was super refreshing to hear it because I think that is something I think a lot of people need to realize. And I, maybe as harsh as that can come across, that it's not an overnight thing. It's not an instantaneous, you know, flip the switch. You know, I want to shoot destination weddings in Iceland tomorrow, you know, and I want to get 50 amazing images. Like it does take time. I think that's a huge thing. It's going to take time. For sure. It's beautiful to hear. Gabe, now I always finish off, mate, with uh, with a question. If you could share three implementable tasks that listeners could do to level up the photography and business, I'd love to know what that would be. And I reckon number one is curation. We've been on it for the last <laughs> <Yeah>. hour. <laughs> but if it's not... Yes, yeah, surprise me. <laughs> it's maybe number two. No, I would say, yeah, I would say it's the first one for sure. I think that's that's huge. You know, it, it is, it, it's number one, without question. It's something mm-hmm. I have definitely focused on in my business for years now, years. So I would say, yeah, curation number one. Uh, number two, second tip, keep shooting. I think this is a huge thing. I think a lot of photographers say they want to get better. They want to improve their skill. But then I ask them, well, when do you shoot? And they're like, well, I shoot Saturdays at weddings. And I'm like, okay, so six days a week, you don't do anything with the camera. And then you shoot a wedding that you've been hired for on Saturday for eight hours. And that's how you want to grow. It's not going to work. And if it does, it's going to take you decades. So I feel like constantly shooting. Some of the most incredible photographers. 
I have ever met in this industry in the last, say, 20 years have a camera with them, I would say 90% of the time, regardless of where they're going. Always have a camera or always just be shooting. For me, iPhone, I use it. I know it sounds hilarious, but I use my iPhone and I shoot a ton. So I would say constantly shooting all the time and just practicing. Don't get too wrapped up in perfection because perfection is never getting, you know, you'll never get it. So I feel like it's the mistakes that will create better work. Three, I would say, honestly, stop looking at everyone's work. (laughs) I think, you know, (laughs) it's as hard as it is, I think constantly looking at every wedding photographer's work out there is detrimental to growth. You know, I think you can look at work, but I know for me, I started unfollowing a lot of wedding photographers and wedding blogs on Instagram and started looking at, you know, portrait photographers or cinema, you know, color palette sites, stuff that really you can still take from and apply it to wedding world, but not wedding directly. I think that's a huge thing. I think you're constantly looking at wedding feeds, wedding blogs, wedding photographers, you're just going to start to regurgitate the same stuff and you're really not going to grow. Whereas if you start looking at other genres of photography or other genres of creative, like visual art, I think that's where you can start to implement it into your wedding work and really grow as an artist. So that'd be my three things. Amazing. So, so curation, shoot more and stop following and being too (laughs) influenced by social media. And it's, it's funny, Gabe, I look at that list of those three there and I remember the first, you know, curation and stop following were the two things I was doing on the flip side. I was not curating and I was following weight or taking, it's not even following, is it? It's taking too much notice and, you know, and can, comparison so flip those two things around and i know you know people are going to level up their business and um yeah yeah, absolutely amazing for sharing all that i'll obviously link to everything that you've spoke about great gabe you're a great friend and um, yeah so so grateful mate to have you episode number two with the man and the myth the legends (laughs) the old timer (laughs) the old timer the one with 17 years experience (laughs) telling all us young guns how it is that uh i love it mate but no i appreciate your time and yeah hopefully getting through this whole COVID 19 okay and come Uh, through the other end and um still be ahead of the game man so yeah, I'm going to link to the Patreon page because I know there's okay. so much value on that. I've obviously, like I mentioned, guys, used Gabe's services before. And yeah, if you uh, jump on his website and you're inspired, get in touch because it's great learning of people that have been there and done that. And I'm sure this episode has obviously helped you guys, your listeners and take away and, and start implementing what Gabe said and you'll, you'll come out on top on the end. So thanks so much, Gabe. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ryan. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.